The title of today's message is The Invitation. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, reading it to you out of the New American Standard, says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Today, I want to break this down into bite-sized pieces because this is a, a verse that everyone knows, yet most Christians avoid because we feel as if somehow we're unqualified or we're just not courageous enough to do it. And, but I, I believe that if I can break it down, you'll, you'll begin to understand you don't need to have all of your, you don't need to be perfect to share the gospel. You don't have to be pain-free to tell someone he's the healer. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to be living in the big house on the hill before you can tell someone he's your provider. Theologians have called two things great. They, with much bigger brains than me, they have said there's the great commandment. The great commandment do I need to pull this down some? There we go. See if that's better. The great commandment is where Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind, and you shall love each other even as you've been loved. You shall love your neighbor, right? Love each other. And this, this is the sum total of it. Love even as you've been loved. Love God even as God loves you with the same ferocious tenacity pursuing you. You pursue Him. Love all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor even as you love yourself. Love each other even as I, He said, have loved you. That's the great commandment. By using the term great, these theologians are saying this is an unusual commandment because it's above the normal. It's, it's not average. It's unusual. It's higher in priority and significance. Then there's also the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world. Now, a lot of Christians, this is almost a source of condemnation because it's been presented to us as though it were a religious duty, or let me rephrase that, a duty of religion. That if we don't do this, I've actually heard people say, if you don't evangelize, you'll burn. As if your salvation is the determination or your, 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 the determination of your salvation is evangelization. Should you do it? Yes. But does evangelization get you to heaven? No. Jesus Christ does that. And so they feel unworthy. They feel condemned. And I want, I, I want you, this is what I want you to see. Everyone say, help them, Jesus. There's so many rabbits running around right now. I'm trying to not chase them all down. The, if we'll combine the great commandment with the great commission, we'll understand that we go and tell because we love. Love becomes the empowerment, the motivation of the commission. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I love. And we all share because we love, right? You find a video on YouTube that makes you laugh. What do you do? You share it. Why? Because you want others to laugh as you have laughed. You want them to know the joy that you felt by watching that kitty cat do whatever that kitty cat done did. And so you share. You find a new product. What do you do? You tell everyone. 
You need to buy this shampoo. It'll make your hair soft and luxurious just like mine. It ain't hard. You're, you're sharing something that has impacted you. And that's all the great, the, 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 the invitation is, is sharing what God has done for you. It ain't hard when you understand that it is an invitation. We've encountered something that has made our life better. And because I have benefited from it, I want to share it with you so that you'll know the same benefit. Is this making sense to you? Hallelujah, Father. Let's pray. I want to make sure I'm going the route that he wants to go and not just following my notes. Father, I know that this is an important message. For we're covering those things that are called great. The great commandment and the great commission. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that I would be pliable, that you would speak through me so that the words have an impact. I thank you for it, Father. It is your words that create wellness, not mine. It is your words that make a difference, not mine. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that you speak through this vessel this morning and that the people hear your words and your voice. Amen? Hallelujah. So the why of the commission is not a religious duty. The why of the commission is love. Combine the great commandment love with the great commission and it becomes easy. I tell because I love. I love what he's done in my life. I love what he's done through me. And I want to share that with others so they can know the same exhilaration of being set free from addictions and from poverty and from chronic illnesses. I want them to know about the greatest app I've ever found. Amen. You apply him to your life. So now, the com- now it comes down to who? who. Who should be involved in the Great Commission? Once again, a lot of I, I wish that the, the translators hadn't used the word preach. Because when they use the word preach, it's very easy for people to disqualify themselves because they say, I'm not a preacher. That the Great Commission falls upon the backs and the shoulders of the missionary, the evangelist, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher. They're the ones that are supposed to do this. But what I want to tell you this morning is that the Great Commission was not given to an individual, nor was it conferred to a rank or an office. The Great Commission was spoken to a group of people, the body of Christ, the church. And so this is a group commission, not an individual commission. It's not an office commission. You don't have to be a pastor to be involved with this. The only thing you need in order to engage in the Great Commission is a story. And each and every one of us have a story. Every body has a story about where you've been, what you've come through, and what God has delivered you from. That is your story, and that's all you need to share. So you don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to have a a Ph.D. in history. You don't have to have a doctorate in doctrine. All you need is a story. Lift your hand this morning if you've got a story. 
you ever been somewhere, been through something, and God has delivered you, you've got a story. And that story is what you're supposed to tell. You see, I've learned people can argue doctrine. If you, if you come at them with doctrine, they can debate doctrine. There are some people, they, that's all they want to do is debate doctrine. You can debate and argue historical facts. But ain't nobody, and I mean nobody, can argue with my story. Because it's my story. I was there. I bore witness. I went through it. I know that my story is true. So I can tell my story with passion. I can tell my story with authority. I can't tell your story with the same level of passion and authority. I wasn't there. Y'all following me? But we all have a story. Jimmy's got a story. Deborah's got a story. Brad's got a story. Sandra's got a story. Our, 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 the commission is tell your story. The whole Bible is a story. It's a, it's a story of God's relentless love and his endless pursuit of his creation. And in the overall, the magnificent story that we call the Bible, there's lots of bit players, there's lots of characters whose story is part of the overall. Y'all follow me? Jesus had a part, the major part, the primary part. But Peter had a part too. Peter had a story. Paul has a story. We all have stories. And our story, hear me when I say this, your story is part of the gospel message. It's part of the message. Just as much as Paul's. Just as much as Peter's. Because your story is how the grace of God invaded your darkness and changed forever the, 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 the direction of your life. And you need to tell that story because only you can tell it well. And nobody can debate it. You can tell them how you went to a place like this. Might have been a gymnasium. It might have been a cathedral. Might have been a trailer. Might have been a temple. But it was filled with people like this who at one time were broken and disfigured and scarred by sin. But every one of them had encountered the grace and the love of God. And in that place, you heard a story. And you responded to that story. And that story birthed your story. And no one can argue with that. You can tell them how you came to that place broken. How you came to that place filled with condemnation and shame because you knew you were guilty of everything they accused you of and a bunch of things they didn't even know about. But you left that place without condemnation. You left that place with no shame. Y'all following me? You see, we got to listen. It ain't about being theologically correct. It's about knowing your story and sharing it. I can tell you about how when I jumped on my motorcycle, I despaired of life. I can tell you that my pockets were filled with enough drugs to make sure when I got there, I could do the job. That was my intention. And I can tell you how when I was in that church building, I thought they were all crazy and nuts. But when I heard the invitation, something inside of me 
pulled me down to the front. You know, Lester Summerall said this. Listen, Lester Summerall, a name that many of you will know, a true nation changer. He said, everything God does, he does through the local church. The local church with all of its flaws and all of its mistakes, it's God's idea. And everything he does, he does through the local church. He said, any ministry or person that, that, that separates themselves from the local church, their faith will diminish and their life will eventually become shipwrecked. Why do we invite people to church? Because we're trying to fill chairs? No, we're trying to fulfill destinies. We're trying to break, we're trying to repair broken lives and restore shattered dreams. We're bringing them to the place where God does most of his work in the community of faith. And no one can debate with you how you felt and where you were and how you despaired of life and how your life was changed. No one can tell you you weren't sick and God healed you? So who is the one that's supposed to tell your story? It's not, it's not an individual. It's not an office. It's a group. We are all storytellers. And I've been amazed and absolutely awestruck when I've heard some of your stories. I thought my story was pretty amazing. When I hear some of your stories... Oh, y'all need to be telling them to more than just the pastor. Because there are people that need to hear what you've gone through. There are people that need to hear what God brought you out of because they're in the exact same place you were. You won't know it by looking at them. You think they got their act together. They got the right sunglasses on, the right shoes on. They're walking with the right... But inside, they hurting. Invite them all. The next bite-sized morsel is this. Go. Go. I'm about to get deep. Is this okay? Go is a verb. It denotes action. It means to move, to advance, to make progress. Now here's where I'm about to get deep. Go ain't never gone. Go ain't never going. Go is always go. Let me, let me sit there because I'm getting some looks. You don't understand how deep that really was. I understand. It was so deep that when I wrote it, I had to look at it a second time. <laughs> Going is past, or gone is past pretense. We ain't never in the place where we're free from the responsibility of telling our story. Go is always go. Yes. It ain't never having gone. Yes. Yes. You're following me? Yes. Just because you did it once doesn't mean that you're now free of the responsibility of sharing your light with others. Because as long as there's a broken soul somewhere on the planet, we got to go. The, 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 the Great Commission has not come. They ain't going to come unless someone goes. It ain't never going. You can't keep putting it off and saying, someday, Pastor, I'll find the courage to tell my story. That's like saying, Pastor, someday I'm going to find the courage to share that Facebook, that Facebook post. It don't take no courage to share. I'm not trying to debate with you. I'm not here to condemn you. My, 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 the Great Commission is not me going to you and telling you how reprobate you are and what a sinner you are and how messed up you are. That's not the commission. The commission is just simply me going and saying, can I tell you what the Lord did in my life? I got to tell you, I was broken one day. 
and I heard a story and he mended my broken heart. Can I tell you how one day I plotted and planned my own demise? And God changed everything and gave me a future and gave me a hope. That's what it's about. That, that's what the, the Great Commission is, and that's our invitation. Everyone say, no condemnation. No condemnation. We don't got to convince them they're sinners. They know it. They all know it. Many of them are proud of it. All we got to do is share our story. Well, but, 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 but Pastor, what if they don't want my story? No problem. Next. Because not everyone's going to listen, but it's not you they're rejecting. Because you ain't the Savior. You didn't die for them. You didn't shed your blood. You're not the one who loved them to the point of crucifixion. So it ain't about you. And if they say no, it's not your love they're saying no to. And you got no idea how long your story will linger. And it'll bear fruit someday. Maybe not today, but someday. Is this okay? So we are always engaged, always moving, always advancing, and always making progress. This is, this is the state of the church moving forward, yes. always increasing, never satisfied because it's not about building an audience. It's about building an army. Yes. Amen. And your army can never be big enough. Amen. Larry and I used to attend the same youth group when we were Teenagers. It wasn't too long ago. I know you can look at me and know it was just that was just a day or so ago. But we had 2,000 young people in our youth group. 2,000 in our youth group. And our youth pastor used to always tell us we can't be satisfied because the devil still has a bigger youth group. I've heard people say Greenville don't need another church. Yes, they do. We need a bunch more and we need to be reaching everyone everyone say go so where are you to go the Bible says into all the world everywhere you go everywhere you've ever been unless you're an astronaut has been part of the world profound huh everywhere you go where are you at you're in the world so what do you do when you're in the world you tell your story because everywhere you've ever been, everywhere you'll ever go, you're in the world. So you are always presented with an opportunity to tell someone your story of redemption. What are we supposed to do? Preach. Once I already said that I wish they hadn't used this word. Because it's very easy for those of us who struggle to put words together to say, well, I'm not a preacher. But the word preach literally means to proclaim. It means to tell. What do we tell? We tell the good news. We tell the story. Go to the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 39. I want to read this verse to you out of the New Living Translation. Luke, chapter 8, verse 39. No, go back to your family. Listen to this. And tell them everything God has done for you. 
Go tell them everything God has done for you. So he went through all the town proclaiming, telling the great things Jesus had done for him. One translation words it this way. Tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. How many of you think you're qualified to share what God has done for you? You don't need, you, once again, you don't need a Ph.D. in history. You don't need to be able to name every one of the early church fathers. You don't need to be able to tell them about every great revival that's ever taken place anywhere. You know, if doctrine would have won the world, we would have won it already. Because the church is great in arguing doctrine. Pentecostals want to argue with the Baptists. The Baptists want to argue with the Calvinists. Calvinists want to argue with the Armenians. We need to quit arguing doctrine and just tell our story. Because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And what are you? You're an example of the goodness of God because had it not been for the goodness of God, where would you be? But pastor, I don't got it all together. You don't got to have it together. Are you moving in the right direction? Yes, sir, I love the Lord. That's all you need. Did he encounter your life somewhere? Was there an intersection where darkness met grace? Yes, sir, I can tell you the story. That's all you got to do, man. Tell that story. Tell them all the wonderful things that God has done for you. Hallelujah. Go to the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 14. Listen to this. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Can, 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 can we agree on something? Angels ain't going to do it. And unbelievers aren't going to tell the story about God. God has left an amazing responsibility to his people. And all he's asking is have the same passion about me as you do about the shampoo. Have the same passion about me as you do that YouTube video. Yes. You share those things. Share me. Yes. It ain't hard. It's so easy. But everything depends upon our stories. Y'all here? Yes. There are some people I'll never reach because they can't resonate with my story. Only your story will touch them. But how are they ever going to come to him if the church of the living God doesn't tell about the grace of the living God? Everyone say, the Great Commission is my commission. After we share our story, all we need to do is invite them to come to a place like this. You don't even, listen... You don't even have to know how to lead them to the Lord. Pastor, I get all tongue-tied in how I'm supposed to pray. Man, we've made it so formula-fed. It ain't that hard. You just say, He loves you. You want Him in your life? Yeah. Well, am I praying the right way? Yes, sir. Quit tripping over the right way. He loves you 
He wants you. Would you like him in your life? Yes. Then just say, Jesus, I'd like you in my life. He's the Savior. He'll lead him. If it needs to go, y'all, listen, 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 listen. If it needs to go to a deeper level of repentance, that's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will lead them into a deeper level of repentance. All you've got to do is tell your story. John chapter 4. Verse 29. Listen to this. You all know this story. In John chapter 4, Jesus went and sat by a well. The well was located in a, the place of Samaria. A woman came to get water from the well, and Jesus said, Would you give me some water? The woman about flipped out and said, well, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, being a Samaritan, to give you some water? And he, you, y'all, you remember this story, right? He said, Listen, lady, if you knew who it was talking to you, you would ask me for water. And she said, you ain't got nothing to pull no water out of the well, Jack. I don't know what you're talking about. You ain't got nothing to get no water out of the well. He went on to say, I am the well. It springs up out of me. Later on in the conversation, he said, why don't you go get your husband, and I'll tell you both the story. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, true that. Because in actuality... You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now, he ain't your husband. So you didn't tell a lie. You told the truth. She ran and told everyone, you got to come see this man. What did she do? She shared. She told. You got to come see a man who told me everything I've done. And he did it without condemnation. He did it without guilt. He didn't make me feel worth less because I've made so many mistakes. Y'all got to come meet this man. Yeah. That was her story. Yes, sir. What's yours? Yes, sir. And are you willing to go and tell people, you need to come to this place I worship? Because there's a guy named Cleve. <laughs> you ain't never seen no one lead worship the way Cleve needs worship. And you'll get free in worship. You need to come to a place free of condemnation where we really don't care where you've been. The only thing that's important is where we're going. You need to come to a place that won't judge you on what you look like when you get there, but will help you get from there to somewhere else. Just tell them your story. There's nothing more powerful than a story. It's an invitation that's all it is. And it ain't hard. It's not, an it's not an argument about doctrine. It's not a dissertation on history. You don't need to know church dogma. You don't, listen, you don't even need to know how to define hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, I can't even say it. And I went to Bible school. You don't need to know all of those things. All you need to know is that your life was changed. And that your story is part of the overall story. You never know what an invitation to a place like this will do. Can you imagine what it would feel like a million years from now when all of this earth stuff is over and people have made their in their point of final destination and walking through heaven, you encounter someone who comes up to you and says, you know, if you hadn't invited me to church, 
I wouldn't be here right now. Can you imagine? Listen, it ain't just one. Well, see, we got to get over this thing of your inconvenience. And well, it's just so pastor can have a bigger crowd. Please, y'all ought to know me better than that by now. It's about eternity. And every living soul is going to spend an eternity somewhere. We have the ability to at least plant a seed into an eternal soul in the hopes that they someday will approach us in heaven and say, thank you. If you hadn't invited me, I wouldn't be here right now. But because you did, I am. Hallelujah, Father. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. I'm going to read through to verse 24. But he said to them, a man was giving a big dinner. And listen to this. And he invited many. A man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Verse 19, another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. You see this? They even told God no. But his love is relentless. And remember what I started out with, the great command? That we're supposed to love even as we've been loved? If his love is relentless, so is ours. And what do we do? We keep going. Do they, if they reject us, what do we do? We keep going. If they say no, what do we do? We keep going. And another said, I've married a wife. And for that reason, I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Well, you know what? Don't invite anyone else. Is that what he did? No, sir. no he said, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the crippled, and blind, and lame. That describes the entirety of the human race without Christ. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and there's still room for more. And the master said to the slave, get this, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Compel them. That word compel. You break it down, it means beg, invite, urge, drag, by any means necessary. Get them in. Why? Because my master's house must be filled. There's room at the dinner table for more. God has laid out an amazing banquet. On this banquet table is everything the human soul could ever need. Yes. You need some help? You need some health? Yes. Take a portion of it. Yes. Pass the healing, please. Uh-huh. Yes. Prosperity, yes. joy, yes. 
wholeness, salvation, shalom, sozo. Compel. You remember the time there was a man who was so lame he could not get to where Jesus was. And the Bible tells us that four friends, four friends made a bed. Put him in the bed. Dragged him to the place. When they got to the place, there was no way to get in because of the crowd. And yet they knew inside there must still be room. Can I say something to you? There's always room for one more. There's always room for one more. When every seat in this place is filled, there will still be room for one more. If we've got to blow out a wall, move across town, there will always be room for one more. Because the seeds are, are birthing within us a desire to fulfill the Great Commission, to tell it on the rooftops, in the valleys. I wish somebody would hear me this morning. We've not been called, i got to say it again, we've not been called to go forth and argue doctrine, to talk about history. All we got to do is go forth and tell people our story. That baby ain't disturbing me. I like babies' cries. Future preacher right there. <laughs> I'm, I would, man, but I'm busy. Compel them. Getting back to the story. They got up on the roof, dug a hole in the roof, and lowered their friend in. That's what, that's, that's what the Lord wants. to Bring them in. By any means necessary. Listen, be willing to inconvenience yourself and drive them here. Be willing to inconvenience yourself and go get them. Because that one, that one invitation could save their life. Let's keep going. I'll get you out of here early. The goal of the invite is this. It's simple. That the Father's house would be full. Every seat occupied. Every heart mended. Every body healed. Every soul saved. Every destiny restored. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. And I'll close with this verse. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says this. Listen. You, everyone say, that means me. You are the light of the world. Everyone say it again, that means me. You're the light of the world. Where do you go? You go into the world. Everywhere you go, you're a representation of the light. Why? Because at one time you were firmly planted in the kingdom of darkness. But at the moment of salvation, the Bible says he translated you. He moved you out of the kingdom of darkness and he firmly planted you in the kingdom of light. You are a creature of light. You've been illuminated with his light. If you could see yourself in the spirit, you'd be shocked to see that you look just like him. You've been created in his image. 
read Psalms 8, that that's not only a, a revelation of man at the original point of creation, but if we're recreated in Christ, Psalm 8 is an expression of who we are. What is this man that you are mindful of him, that you've clothed him with your own glory, you've made him just a little lower than Elohim? I, I don't understand. Who is this man that you're so mindful of him? That's you. He's made you a representation of his light. And here he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. Sometimes I wish that we'd revisit some of those old songs we used to sing. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And the truth is, it ain't no little light. It's massive. Because it represents the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And, the, and the, the grace, the manifestation of His grace in your life. We ought to change it to this massive, illuminating light of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. He says, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Yeah. Verse 16, let your light, everyone say, that means, me. that means me. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. What the Lord's asking us is this. To go out, share our story, and then invite everyone to come with us. Come meet a man who changed my life. Where do I meet him? You meet him in his house. This is his house. You know why? Because when, more than two, when two or three gather together in his name, this is no longer a gymnasium. It's a cathedral. It's a temple of God. This is his house. When we worship Him, the Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. You can't see it with your natural eyes, but in the Spirit, He, he establishes His throne right here amongst us. And He issues divine dictates from the throne. Free, 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 healed, prosperous. He's issuing divine dictates from His throne. Once again, let me tell you what Lester Summerall said. Everything God does, He does in and through the church. All we got to do is bring them. In His presence, they'll get changed. And they'll find this manifestation, this expression of the fullness of joy, which can only be found in His presence. Amen? Brad, if you would, I, Brad's going to hand out some little cards. I want everyone in here to take as many as you feel like you'll use. I want to make it easy on you. I can tell your story, but I can give you something that'll help finish up your story. When you've told your story, I want to hand every one of you these invite cards. You can take a hundred of them if you'll 